more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City, generally, but not in this case on this Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And check us out on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can check us out on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe uh, to More to Come on iTunes and on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And this week is our very special Thanksgiving episode in which instead of giving you news, we give you what we're thankful for in comics. But we swear it'll be interesting. Well, we have <laughs> yes. so much to be thankful for this Absolutely. this holiday, and uh, you know, including a turkey overdose, which, in case you can't tell, we're all suffering from. So, <laughs> I, think I, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, turkey and mac and cheese can't produce a hangover. Trust yes, me. yes. Well, anyway, in my case, it's chicken paprikash hangover, but it's much the same. Thing. Yeah, I had okay. brined <laughs> turkey and. Uh, the brining process, impressed. I highly recommend. But uh, My cousin managed to stuff a 24-pound turkey into a brining bag, and it worked out really well. So, you know. uh, But how well, do you fit the 24-pound turkey into the oven? That's the question. <laughs> well, we have industrial-sized uh, family cooking a kitchen here. undertaking, yeah. yes. Anyway. Uh, don't what try are we... this in your New York apartment, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what are we thankful for, people? I mean, it's been a pretty extraordinary year in comics, so... Uh, Boy, that's for sure. Yeah, so what are we thankful for? Um, well, you know, uh, I'll be thankful. I'll, I'll kick things off, because uh, I'm thankful for the fact that so many publishers are really doing well. I mean, I'm thankful we just ran a story about how... Um, Consortium Distribution is picking up a bunch of uh, smaller, like not micro presses, but, you know, indie small presses. And uh, it's really helping them, I think. Uh, you know, like like lines like a Koyama Press, Uncivilized, and, um, you know, Secret Acres. Uh, you know, I, I, I think these publishers are really getting more traction into the bookstore market. And, um, and I'm really thankful for that because I think so much of the material is really interesting. So. Well, I think – what you're pointing out is really that the the arc of development in the comics industry that we've been sort of I think here at PW we've been mapping all along the uh, integration of you know uh, comics publishers into the book trade, and this seems to be just the latest step. This is like a a new market, and yeah, I, I think that's a really great thing to be thankful for as comics publishers uh, realize that their 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 readers are in the book market as well. Right. And, uh, you know, so many I, I'm, I'm looking here on my I'm cheating a little bit and looking on my computer, but you know, a lot of spring lines have been announced for next year. Um, uh, and I'm not going to run down all of them. But, uh, for instance, First Second has a sequel to uh, to Giants Beware, which was a really awesome book that so many people loved. Mm -hmm. And it's called Dragons Beware by Jose Aguirre and Rafael Rosado. I think uh, people love that. Mm -hmm. They also have the Last Man series coming, which is by Bastien Vive, Michael Salanvanca, and Balak, which is a French comic. And um, a lot of people seem really interested in that. Uh, actually, I mean, that's a whole other mm -hmm. topic. I think French comics really took off. You know, the Franco-Belgian tradition, I think that really took, sure. off, mm -hmm. took off this year. Um, well, and you know... It seems like manga is having a rebound this year. Uh, we just looked 
well, we were just discussing a article about um, from ICV2 about Books a Million crediting uh, growth in manga for uh, part of their growth in the most pre- in the previous quarter of their bookstore. Um, that they've seen a lot of sales increases and they think it's helped their store as a whole. Yeah. Boy, what year is this? Manga helping sales? You know, yeah. <laughs> there's a well, flashback well, to again, 2002. We've had a pretty good year of sort of tracking the, the kind of rebound in the manga market. So that's exciting to hear. I mean, uh, maybe people who have just arrived, uh, arrived on the scene perhaps don't know how critical manga was uh, in the early days. I mean, when I, when I say early days, I mean the late 90s, early 2000s, during the boom when manga really transformed uh, the comics market. And uh, obviously they went through a, a tough market time. Uh, what 2008, 2009, and on, but it's great that to see that this category is rebounding and finding sales and finding new readers, uh, in many ways through uh, digital. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, um, yeah. I, okay. I think through digital, and I think, as has been discussed in the past, I really think through the material that they're bringing out. I think, unfortunately, sure. manga actually was experiencing a dip in Japan as well. Because there just wasn't a lot of new material that was getting people really super excited. And that lull, for whatever reason, is uh, dying off. And things are, you know, more properties that are new that people are, like, really feeling right. are, are coming out again. Right. And that's a good sign. And it's a very good sign, especially since uh, Naruto has actually wound up. It's ended. You yeah. Know, like that. Know, it's amazing. The, the, the series that you thought would never end. Right. But- Right. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, going well. You know what? I'll uh, I'll jump right in with something that uh, I I'm thankful for, and it will segue into I think a news point that we can talk about. I'm I'm really thankful for the ways that not only are the megacons uh, growing and creating new. I mean, I mean they create new opportunities, uh, uh, new. Uh, spectacles too of of fan culture but also the uh something that you've been documenting uh heidi is uh, the comics arts festival um uh we've just seen the announcement of a new one to take place in columbus ohio with right. a pretty interesting um organizing committee um you know jeff smith creative bone uh, lucy caswell the founder of the billy ireland Cartoon uh, Library and Museum. Um, Vijaya um, Iyer, uh, Jeff's wife, and but also his business partner and co-publisher of Cartoon Books, uh, which um, originally published all of Bones' works and continues to publish it today. Uh, and um, and of course, Tom Tom Spurgeon. Uh, from Comics Reporter, a noted comics blogger and journalist, and they're putting on a show that's going to launch, I guess, as a two-day show in 2015 in the fall uh, and expand the next year, 2016, to a four-day show. Right. Um, so they've got a mix of artists and within in a, um, in a library uh, uh, um, uh executive i think they can really put together a great show well they certainly have the you know the finest steering committee that you could possibly have i mean i think what's most interesting about that well there's two things that are the most interesting about it number one columbus is absolutely one of the comic centers you know here in the u.s you know because the billy ireland library and the which is the extension of the uh collection at ohio state university which is one of the largest comics and cartoon art related collections um in america and, uh, you know, a lot of cartoonists live there as well. So, uh, I mean, it definitely has that going for it. And um, 
So I think that is, is, you know, very significant. I think the other thing is that a lot of, there are a lot of calves, a lot of calves are springing up. Uh, You know, there was a show, uh, a debut show in New Orleans just a couple weeks ago. And next weekend, there is a debut show in Los Angeles, Comic Arts Los Angeles, L.A. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, these are kind of let's put on a show, you know, hey, kids, let's put on a show efforts where, uh, you know, some people who are who are into the scene just put on a one day show and. Uh, mm-hmm. Hope it sticks, you know. Uh, the CXC, as it's being called, is a pretty major launch. You know, it's aiming to be another TCAF. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we haven't seen too many shows that launched with this kind of ambitious program. Uh, and the, Billy, the, Ireland, the Billy Ireland Library also has a, a brand new facility. This right. was just launched in the last two or three years. Yes, right? yes. Last year, I believe uh, it was launched. New exhibition spaces, uh, mm-hmm. archives. It, it's, I mean, I was not uh, able to go to the uh, the festivities around mm-hmm. its opening. But from everything I read, it's an amazing state-of-the-art uh, facility for studying and worshiping. Uh, <laughs> worshiping. Yes, studying worship. There's studying. a lot of worship going <laughs> Well, on. maybe there's some worshiping of comics, too. Yeah, I'm um, sure there is. And a model, obviously, for I think for other resource kids centers um, around the country. Yeah, and uh, it, it they also hold a I they believe it's every three years they hold an academic um, <laughs> conference there, which may or may not be absorbed into the CXC. I have a feeling it might be. And yeah. uh, they had just held the ICAF, uh, ICAF the International Comic Arts. Um, you know, it's another festival, but it's all comic scholars. So there has a really heavy scholarship tradition there mm-hmm. in Columbus. So, um, you and know. I, the, excuse me. Go on, Heidi. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I, I, you know, it's pretty obvious that that's going to be a real a real focus of this convention. So, um, you know, it's in a crowded time of the year, October, uh, the beginning of October, which is literally the week before yeah. New York Comic Con. But, you know, maybe you're going to separate the the men from the boys or the girls from the women and that, you know, or the scholars from the tchotchke seekers. (laughs) Well, but on the other hand, I I mean, I think it's... Go on, go on, go on, Kate. Go ahead. On the other hand, I think it's a, a bit reductive to be like, well, if you're at the con, you're at, you're the tchotchke seeker. And if you're, you're there, you're, you know, because unfortunately, a lot of people who are really great scholars in... In comics are you know related to the different comic publishers they have um you know just look at oh what's his name um he has the he did the uh superman um artists you know, craig yoe yeah oh, craig yo yeah yeah i mean like he craig. has a line of books with a publisher i mean a lot of comic scholars who are good enough to have books out come to the cons to promote their work and to head panels and to, you know, do things for the general public. And if I hope that scheduling doesn't uh, set the scholars against the people who want to talk to the general audience as far as having to choose one or the other, because um, one nice thing about comics is that the scholars are never that far from 
well, yeah, I, I, I hear well, you. I, you know, I was able ground. to talk. I was able to talk with Tom a little bit about this, and uh, obviously, uh, Columbus does have that tradition with the, the Billy Iron Island uh, collection of doing these these academic conferences. This is really going to be. I mean, I don't think there's too much doubt that this is going to be a comics uh, a focus conference. Uh, not a you know merchandising like extravaganza, uh, but I really think that they're they're going to be focused on on the broader audience. I don't doubt that there'll be some you know room for a, a academic or as Heidi was saying maybe the academic, uh, the periodic academic conference right. can be uh, um, uh, partnered into this event in some way. But they're I mean they're looking to create a show that I think that will attract creators where they can make some sales, but also to and provide access the kind of of, of intimate access that that CAFs um, have been able to to, to generate. As an alternative to one other kind of comic uh, uh, con experience that we that we uh, we know has its own place, the giant pop culture extravaganza. Oh yeah, so, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, saying. and they're raising funds right now and um, all these things. So we're going to see, um, and we obviously there's always going to be problems now with the calendar. I yeah, mean, really, yeah. There's, it's just there's, you have to make choices. And you yeah. know, well, let me just throw this in. Let me turn this into a positive. I think we should be thankful for the fact that in the past you really could fit all the comics fans into one room, you know, and now yes. it's just not possible. Just can't you can't, you have yeah, to and be just, specialized. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I think of people choose between, uh, and, you know, we're guessing, I mean, they're not the same weekend, so you can do both, but, um, I, I, you know, I, there, there, there's something for everyone. Yeah. And I also think that the new developments around, um, uh, the Alternative Press, uh, Press Expo in uh, San Francisco, now to be uh, San Jose. That's also an interesting development. Oh, yeah. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how uh, Dan is able to develop that show now. And and the relationships, that, hopefully, that he either builds or repairs uh, with the comics community in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, <laughs> we'll you know, see. talk about... You know, talk about uh, let's put on a show. I mean, you know, we wrote an article about it. Deb Aoki covered it for us at PW. But um, there is this whole exploratory group that is uh, publicly on Facebook trying to put on a show. And, you know, that level of transparency can be good or bad. And, uh, you know, but uh, this is a really exciting development that the the community, uh, you know, feels that, yes, that they can start yet another show. So we'll we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think great I think great cities make great shows, you know, like Toronto absolutely has an amazing or I should say great facilities make great shows because, you know, obviously TCAF is amazing in Toronto, you know, with the just the, the city itself helps so much make that such a great show. Um, you know, SPX is held in a nowheresville, but it has a great facility. It has a great facility. It has yeah, a great absolutely. facility that everybody's very comfortable with. And, you know, Columbus has amazing facilities. And I think that's going to make for a really great show that um, now, I, I, everyone's going to want to go to. I was going to your story in the, in, the, in the beat. Now, it, is there a show there? Or was there some small Well, interestingly, like, you know, the history of the calf is yet to be written. But um, most of them uh, sprung out of back 20 years the history of the calf goes back 20 years uh to uh the spirits of independence tour which was led by dave sim and steve Passat, uh rick beach a couple of other of the northampton crew of the 90s and they started this like doing tours and a lot of people uh for self-publishers which was huge then and then they set up some stops along the way 
And SP actually began as uh, a stop, although it's a little bit more complicated than that. I, I've said yeah. this in the past and people corrected me, but I can't remember what the correction was in this state. But uh, there was a show in there was a show in Columbus called Space, which is the small press and comics expo or something like that, um, which is held in the spring. And uh, it's uh, pretty much held by one guy. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a huge stop. It does seem like people like it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, um, it, it, it seems to have very different aims, very, very different aims. It seems like to be more of a, of a flea market for small publishers and not the, you know, scholarly conference that CXC seems to be aiming for. So, um, you know, but again, if this is even, even the markets of the size of Columbus can handle two shows a year. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's go. something to and be thankful for. Yeah. And we might want to point out very quickly that even here in New York City, uh, the Mocha Arts Festival is moving to a, a brand new location. If we're just talking about venues, and I'm certainly I have not been to this building before, and it, it will be very interesting to see how this works out yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not uh, nobody liked the Armory, and it was expensive, so it had to move. But yeah. uh, you know, it was centrally located. I will say that. And the uh, this new one is off to the side. It's not as easy to get to via public transport, but you know. People, people will find yeah. something too. I think though, it looks a, like a really nice place. And, it really does. It yeah, really does. hardwood uh, floors. And it'll be a multiple level show. Yeah. But um, looks like it's a uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll we're soon to see. April uh, will be here before before we oh, know. Oh yes. Yeah. Very so, nice. um, what else are we thankful for here on this um, morning after Thanksgiving gluttony? <laughs> yeah. Surely there must be more things we're thankful for. Well, you know. Well, you know, go on, go on, Kate. Go on. No, I was going to say, I'm as always. I'm thankful for really fabulous books, and you know, um, really, every section of this business, from the traditional comics industry to um, the the the, uh, growing um, uh, trade book presence of comics in the bookstore market and at uh, New York City trade book publishers. At, at small indies, at even super small indies, there's so many great books. Um, uh, I Right now, uh, I'm actually looking at and rereading and writing a, a short appreciation of Marguerite de Abouet and Clement Aubrey's Aya. Um, uh, uh, DNQ has published two uh, compilation volumes of this really amazing story, uh, Love in Yap City and Life in Yap City. And it's uh, for those who may not know, it's a story of uh, it's set. Uh, they're fictional stories uh, set in uh, Ivory Coast, uh, West Africa, in the city of Ab- Abidjan, uh, in the late 1970s. During this period of political uh, security, uh, where the middle class was, uh, was allowed to grow, and it's a kind of a view of African culture that maybe you don't always see. But these are delightful stories about a young teenage girl who's really. Loved Double-headed and kind of sensible, and you know her kind of wacky friends, and and but within this story of kind of a teen coming of age, uh, set in at contemporary Africa, there are wonderful ways in which she incorporates her own adolescence growing up in uh, in Abidjan, and you really feel like you're and on top of the comedy uh, and turnabouts, you really feel like you're learning something about how people live so i'm writing a short appreciation of that i could go on with so many other books but that's certainly one book that i'm really thankful for uh that i got a chance to read and now that i get a chance to actually maybe uh do it uh, to actually write a small tribute to yeah and uh, uh kate i'm sorry you had something to be thankful for there yeah 
Well, I have a number of things to be thankful for. But one thing that I'm thankful for is just, one, the financial state of the comic industry, thank God, is doing pretty well, um, despite certain blips in certain sectors. But another thing that I'm thankful for is, one, and this may seem like a backhanded thankful, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful (laughs) that it looks like with this new event coming from DC God to say you're thankful for an event that, <laughs> that they may be using it as a backdoor to fix some of the more questionable decisions that came with the otherwise good new 52 that you know they're bringing they may be and they definitely are for at least one or two issues bringing back you know some of your old favorites like you're talking no about longer conver- dead you're talking about the convergence uh Hmm. Yeah, that. And yes, okay. You can so, say it. you can say the name of it. <laughs> yeah, but that would mean that I actually remembered the name of it, Calvin, okay. which I did not. <laughs> okay. Well, right, you know, not to be uh this comes under the non-thankful but, thing, but uh you know, they've been announcing these convergence events and um I don't know if it's just the fact that everybody's getting the holiday mode or what, but uh I wouldn't say they've caught on too much. I don't think there's been too much like, you know, they announced them every Tuesday and yeah, well, I mean, be... I think it's one of those things where it's like it's two issues and it's not coming out for a really long time. So expecting people to be over the moon for two issues that are not coming out for a really long time is is just not going to happen. Like people may get excited when it comes out on the shelves, but they're not going to be excited ahead of time for that. I mean, that's one problem with the comic event cycle that the first time you hear about it is often so long before there's anything you can actually look at that it, people generally don't get excited about them anymore until they actually like are closer to when they can have the book in their hands. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I, I guess they only release it so early because they're afraid someone will leak it and they'll get scooped. I don't know. It doesn't strike me as ideal, but in any event, I'm I'm grateful that uh, DC is taking less of a hardline approach to we got it right the first time. Don't question our decisions. No one shall smile on the cover, and are <laughs> swinging back in the direction of a little more flexible, which I think is a good thing because it leaves more creative freedom for the creators, and it leaves people the freedom to go. You know what? Maybe that direction didn't work. Maybe we're going to try something new. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign, culturally speaking. Well, I, I'm, I'm very thankful that uh, this really is the year that everybody seemed to pay attention to the changes that are happening in comics, you know, and publishers, large and small, really reacted to that. And, you know, I say this a lot of times when I talk to people, but, um, you know, I've been, you know, I've been at this quite a long time, uh, even, uh, you know, I think a little longer than Calvin. I know you've been at yes, it a long yeah. time as well, but, you know, this is what I always fought for. I mean, you know, yeah, no, I'm not going to say right, that I had a vision for how I thought comics should be, which was very presumptuous given the age I had when I got into this. But I was always like, this is how I think should, things should be. And now it pretty much looks like how I think things should be. So, you know, I mean, we have a wild diversity of, of talent. Yeah. And, you know, another thing I'm very thankful for is that we have such good uh, educational facilities for cartoonists. You know, we oh, have God, a yes. surfeit of really good schools. And, and I think um, 
I think even at uh, Comic Arts Brooklyn, which we just had, I think it was really evident that that the students who are coming out of here, I think, you know, CCS has been around for more, you know, more than half a decade now. And um, I think the younger cartoonists who are really getting noticed now are really storytellers. And, um, yeah. and you know, I'm thinking of people like Emily Carroll and, and yeah. Sam Alden and Chuck Forsman, um, uh, you know, people like that. And, you know, even some younger ones who, who aren't even as well known as that, with like uh, Connor Steckschulte is an artist I've talked about a few times. And, um, but, but there's really, you know, there's really stories. They're, they're really interested in these, you know, they're like indie films. They're not for everyone. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I should all run up. But, you know, I, like there was a lot of criticism for a long time about the autobiographical nature mm-hmm. of, uh, of indie comics and where it's just, a, you know, dwelling on their own cartoonist sh- shortcomings. Now, some of these stories are thinly veiled, <laughs> you know, the musings on the cartoonist's own, but at least they're, they're moving on beyond that. You know, there's a lot of very interesting psychological comics coming out now, and uh, I'm just really impressed. I'm very, very excited about all the things that I'm seeing coming out. Well, well I'm thankful for the sort of maker DIY webcomic uh, internet comics culture of you can talk about your favorite comic, you can make jokes about your favorite comic, you can make a new comic, and you can post it all to the same place. Right. That uh, really makes it easier for people to show each other what they love and be like, hey, this thing over here, you should look at it. Um, and it it kind of takes viral out of the hands of the big publishers. Where, you know, I mean, sometimes you will hear people getting more excited about, oh, I don't know, five things coming out of image, the uh, big two, because people can post whatever they want and the tools are good enough, but you don't need to be a web genius in order to get your comic out there or promote some other comic that you love. And I think that's really contributing to the health of the market and really contributing to the health of the culture and really lowering the bar- the barrier of entry to both fans and creators. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. correct. And um, I mean, I, hey, you- if I could just jump in then, because uh, I'd love to echo just uh, Heidi's uh, point about uh, a vision of how the comics market uh, uh might have looked. Um, I mean, I have not been in this space reporting for as long as Heidi has, but my my own um, uh, efforts and interest in what the comics uh, environment, the, the comics marketplace could look like is pretty much what Heidi was saying. It's really amazed how much it's transformed since I got into this business in the late 1980s. Uh, we really do have a world where it, my vision was that it would be comics would be like any other book that they would get a fair shake in the book market as well as in the comics market and that they would be reviewed in the Times and talked about in them in, in all of the usual book places. And we're seeing that now more than ever. So Absolutely. It's, it's really exciting to see a vision confirmed uh, simply by the fact that we're getting more books. Uh, there's more books around more topics aimed at more readers and at a higher level of quality than the the, the medium has seen um, ever before. Yeah, and I, I mean another book, I mean I think two probably the books of the year, um, in my humble opinion, I think the two books of the year were Roz Chess, 
um, can't we talk about something more pleasant, which has gotten huge mainstream recognition. And uh, it's probably really very, you know, it has a very, I know we've talked about it here many, many times, so I'm not going to belabor it. But anyway, it got huge attention. I think the other book is This One Summer by uh, Mariko and Jillian Tamaki, which has gotten uh, Canadian awards. Um, you know, we'll see. I know that for a second has their fingers crossed for uh, the, um, the sure. ALA and the winter when the awards are announced, you know. But, I mean, I think it's a very credible award um, potential nominee. And But, I mean, these two books are just so accessible. I mean, you know, in the past, people might have asked you, you know, what comics you recommend? And, <laughs> you know, you might say, oh, I, I love Cerebus. And then you'd be like, oh, I don't know if that was really the right thing. <laughs> um, you know, even before oh, it got serious. really, but even before issue 186, let me put it that way. Okay. You know, like you might look at the books and, you know, say, Oh, I know you'll love this. And, and then you'd be like, Hmm, maybe they didn't love it. But, you know, I think if somebody were to say, what, what comics would I read? I, I, you know, I don't think there's anyone who could, you know, anyone who has an objection to those just can't read comics, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, so, uh, you know. Well, on that note, I'm going to drink very quickly. I'm I'm grateful for three quick books that I just think that illustrate just what you've been talking about. Also, just the range of imagination and craft. Uh, very quickly, The Wrenches by Farrell Dalrymple, which I think is one of the most incredible books. Uh, raw imagination and incredible cartooning skill. Um, uh, Joyce Brabner's and Mark Zingarelli's Second Avenue Caper, um, how uh, – well, when Goodfellas, Divas, and Dealers plotted against the plague, I think this is one of the really uh, – comics has done something – looked at a period in our history, the early days of the AIDS crisis and how the gay community like basically took care of itself or made whatever efforts they could to protect themselves in a world where they were, they were they're being dismissed left and right is really an important piece of kind of pop scholarship in his history um and coming up at the end of the the year here the late child and other animals by marguerite van cook and james romberger uh which is essentially a memoir by marguerite van cook uh full disclosure i've known them for many years they're incredibly talented people but this book is really uh a really beautiful look at growing up in post-war britain after world war ii and Really amazing. So I just think this is this is just a small sample of the incredible books that are coming out uh, from big and small publishers now in this. Well, medium I, I mean, Fanographics uh, really crushed it at the end of the year. I mean, they have the you know the yeah. Romberger Van Cookbook you just talked about. You know, they have a new book by Dylan Horrocks coming out, yes. uh, Sam oh, Zabel yes. and the Magic Pickle. I mean, it's sort of new. It's been serialized as a web comic for like about a long time, like seven or eight years. <laughs> but yes, um, you know, this is cause to celebrate really and um you know just the fact that someone like dylan horrocks is is still around you know i mean his first book hit hicksville was a, a classic of yeah. the genre and then he you know it's a little bit eight and a half it's a little bit about a cartoonist who can't draw his next comic but <laughs> you know it's it's uh more good stuff and you know and just at the other end of the spectrum fanographics also just put out zap the zap complete zap yes. which is like a what was it five hundred dollars it's, yeah, it's a massive box. It's a massive every, box. Every issue of Zap ever done, and the and a concluding issue as well. Yeah, awesome. So it's it's pretty major. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm grateful that Image has come so far from its dark period about ten years ago, when it was considered by many in comics to be something of a 
uh, ghetto for um, Witchblade type comics and a real come down for what it had been originally (laughs) intended to be. And uh, entered a renaissance where, you know, if you're a great creator, be it a unknown one or someone who's really already made your name and you want to do something a little different and you still want, you know, decent market penetration, uh, Image may be the place to go. And so many great titles of the last two years have all been Image. And have all done phenomenally well in the bookstores and the comic stores that, you know, I am I am really grateful for the uh, comics culture, alchemy and um, just forces within the company that have really brought about this renaissance because I think it's nothing but good for the comics industry it is and you know that that's a great one to bring up kate because i you know we focus a lot on indie comics obviously here because we you know we love graphic novels and image is is still in the periodical uh world but uh if there is one thing that proves how far we've come and like the possibilities that are present i mean image comics right now is publishing so many amazing yeah. creators. And, you know, there a lot of them are what we might call mainstream or refugees from the big two, but, you know, mm-hmm. like, like there's so many books. I can't, I mean, I, I, you know, I get open up my package and I'm just like, what? I forgot that, you know, there's a new book by, by Mark Miller and, and uh, Goran Parlov, you know, or like mm-hmm. this, yeah. all these books, you know, oh, there's a new book by Warren Ellis and Tula Lote. You know, I forgot about that. Um, there's just so much great stuff, you know, from from everyone from Kurt Music to on down to new talents like Alice yeah. Cott uh, and and um, you know Nick Spencer and uh, it's just amazing and and yeah and I think what they do is they capitalize on the strengths of the type of creator and the type of creativity that typically goes to the big two and then you know the the emphasis on on accessibility and and uh, adventure and, and excitement Hello, and color fun. and fun yeah and and you know just fantasy and then sets it free to write about whatever yeah and I I mean if you look at Marvel and DC and I mean obviously Marvel I think is having a a little bit more fun these days than DC for various reasons but you know and Marvel absolutely kind of blew the door off its hinges this year with books like Ms. Marvel and, um, you know, trying to really, uh, you know, a rocket raccoon by Scotty Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are like, Oh, you know what? It doesn't have to look one way. It can look a whole different bunch of ways. Some of the books worked, some of the books didn't, but they're trying it. And some of them are working very well. You know, whereas at DC, DC, uh, is still very much married to their house style and, um, they're getting, they're, they're easing off. A little they're bit. easing off. But you know, a my, my point is like, even at Marvel, you know, they are so much beholden to the corporate, you know, the corporate mandates and at both Marvel and DC, which are the biggest publishers in the comics industry. Like if you are, and I pick a name out of a hat, you know, if you are say Kurt Busiek, you know, you cannot just walk into Marvel and DC and say, hey, I'd like to do a book about an animal fantasy war, just like amazingly successful books like Redwall uh, and Watership Down, but with my own take and a really great artist who's from webcomics that everybody's going to go, wow, that's great. I mean, that's not going to happen, you know, that's, like neither yeah. Marvel or yeah. DC are going to do that book. So guess what? You go over to Image 
and it's a huge sellout. And I mean, the point is the talent that is out there just chomping at the bit, you know, to go with these ideas. There's so much creativity. There's so many ideas. Marvel and DC are not able to capitalize on that. Well, you, you know, know I think I think maybe the trick is that I don't know that Marvel and DC needs to be everything to everybody. Um, I think maybe within their niche, they're not capitalizing on it as well as they should. Yeah, but that's I think a very good point. Also, Kate, that. Um, a lot of these creators are realizing that they can do things in that niche with Marvel and DC and without completely changing who they are or what they do, go over to Image, do something, and their readers will travel with them. Yes, yes. And they don't need to become somebody new to fit into the indie world. They can still be themselves and do things the way they do things and play in both worlds. And because the market has shifted to a place where it's it's not like where those readers are not just married to one publisher or one subgenre. Exactly. And it's, a good point to, it's a good point to point out here just very briefly that uh, uh, in addition to that, what we're talking about is uh, artists have options. Artists yes. have options these days that never existed before. And in that line, we need to mention comicsology also, which I think has just had an amazing, yes. uh, an amazing impact on the business as a whole. But I think we're going to see that um, uh, channels like comicsology submit are going to have even more. As yeah. well, just as you were saying, artists will find that their 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 fans will follow them because uh, mm-hmm. because the fans are following good storytelling. But uh, you know, just to 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 sound the old timer. Uh, you know, alert here. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, the first indie, we called them ground level comics then for our fellow old timers. But, um, you know, the first publishers that broke away from Marvel and DC, and then there was Charlton and Archie and Gold Key. I mean, there were actually more mainstream, quote unquote, publishers then. But anyway, the first ones to break away from that were publishers such as Eclipse and First Comics and Pacific Comics. And uh, at the time, there was all these books that came out. I think probably First Comics may have had some of the best ones, you know, with American Flag by Howard Chaikin, Nexus by Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Um, you know, Eclipse had some really great books um, coming out. You know, they did Zot by Scott McCloud, which is where he became known. But but anyway, I, it was really very exciting to look at these books coming out. And, uh, you know, they're very nostalgic for people who are who are that my was a age. creative period. It was that a very was a creative period cre- that because was a very people great period. Yeah, well, people were breaking away, and people still look back at you know first comics and are like, oh, I love Dynamo Joe. You know, I mean all this stuff. I mean, my point that I'm getting at is if you look at what's coming out now uh, from just Image alone, I mean, I think that blows this out of the water. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just yeah. it's 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 squared. You know, so that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's the the, the output, the, the 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 level of craftsmanship, the imagination, uh, even experimental mm-hmm. work yeah. is like riveting to to you know it it, it it you know it's it's become a cliche now, but we're in a new golden era. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, I think part of it is that the kids who grew up during the manga boom, mm-hmm. um still have that visual language in their head. And, you know, when it came, when comics came to digital in big numbers, then people who still thought that way and still loved that visual language, but maybe had not found something that spoke to them for years, suddenly had easy access to just sort of poke around and, and find something new. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I mean, I don't know that a line has been drawn directly. I mean, I know the manga readers are definitely part of it. And, um, but I, well, but, I just but, think it contributes to oh, the numbers. I yes, think it ab- the absolutely. Numbers. And I, I mean, I think another thing really to be thankful for is that we're seeing kids comics accepted again. And I mean, yeah. believe it oh, or not, okay. there was a yes. long period when kids yes. comics were really given the side eye and, you know, which makes oh. no sense to me whatsoever, but geez, Louise. Well, I I was never able to convince my parents to ever buy any comics for me as a little kid because the answer was, you'll read that too fast. <laughs> um, but, you know, well, now that, that they're yeah, in that book form unusual. and you buy them in the... Mm-hmm. It wasn't unusual the, back in the day. You yeah. know, even when I... Well, I, my back in well, the day, was, I mean, it was even further back. Object to them on principle, just like, oh, well, it's just this floppy thing, and, and for the money you pay, you don't get much. Uh, I'll buy you a book from the bookstore. Yeah. But I think... I think because you're getting the comics for kids that are, you know, long in book form in the bookstore, parents who would not buy floppies for their kids are like, oh, this is OK. And we'll buy it for the kid at Barnes & Noble. Well, right. Well, because they feel like they're getting more I for their money. Right. And I think that. My, my, I, if I, go on. Go oh, on, I was just going to say, I think high, hybrid, hybrid books like uh, Wimpy Kid and Dork Diaries are a huge part of that, too, you know? And, I mean, yeah, obviously right. they are among the most successful books for kids or adults. I mean, I think Wimpy Kid might be the most successful um, franchise going now that there's no Harry Potter books. but um, Hundreds of millions. Yeah. They've got over 100 million copies in Yeah, print. Yeah, amazing. and, uh, you know, I mean, that is an event. I mean, when a new book comes out, the kids are, like, getting their parents down to the bookstore to buy the new book. And, um, you know, Dork Diaries is close cl- close behind that as well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, now it, it, it's just, it, you know, again, I mean, for all of us, I mean, you know, Calvin and I are talking about, you know, our longer periods. But, I mean, Kate, I mean, you've been at this a while, too, and and it's just... You know, you you're seeing the objections mostly melt away. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, yeah. I would There's say some that. Holdouts, I mean, but... there are holdouts, but it's it's you know, <laughs> what's life without a little spark? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm counting back to when I was uh, a like like twelve or thirteen when I started getting into comics pretty hard. Um, you know, like it was. It was a little shady, uh-huh. you know, it was a little hard to, I mean, as a kid, I would, I mean, comic stores, like, man, you know, it was, you, you wouldn't go in because they were largely kind of uh, Dragon's Den type enterprises yeah. with the dark lighting and the sketchy posters on the ceiling. And, you know, your parent, you're not going to walk your kid in there. Yeah. And I mean, those stores still exist, but there are a lot of of great stores that are making themselves maybe a little brightly lit and family friendly so that at the very least at the front of the store, you can come in and, you know, buy your kids a new My Little Pony comic. And by the way, the My Little Pony comics doing really, really well. And hilariously, if you looked at the numbers on um, Humble Bundle, like yesterday when they announced the My Little Pony Humble Bundle uh, out the download like within I don't know something like an hour it was down to like fifty nine thousand right. dollars already yeah, yeah. because ponies man yeah and as someone yes, right. who who grew up with the first crop of ponies and their terrible terrible cartoon this fills me with so much joy that one of the biggest franchises out there 
um, is marketed for girls and yeah. is being okay. beloved of, of the general geek and comic book population for storytelling quality yeah. and for just being a really good property. Yeah. And uh, if I um, jump in, I've got an 11 year old uh, cousin and who lives and dies with Raina Telkemeyer and, and Jeff Smith. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, who she was here you know, for Thanksgiving yesterday and she's looking through, you know, my columns and creaking bookcases <laughs> full of comics and just like drooling, you know, uh, at my gigantic, you know, all, you know, that omnibook of bone. Uh, and she's so intent on her, her the, the books she loves. You know, like she's not even she doesn't even want to hear about the pro, you know, because he's doing this pro series now, too. She's like, eh, eh. but new copies, you know, this this all in one edition of Bone, which trust me, she will get very shortly. Um, she was like Hello, her Christmas. eyes were bugging out. She's yeah. bugging out for it. And she went nuts. She actually came to SBX, too, and just, you know, made a beeline for Raina's. Uh, yeah. Booth. So this is an incredible new world that we live in yeah and i I, you know i know we're running all of us have to get going on our black friday shopping expedition so uh i just want to throw in one more because i feel like the 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 one thing i'm really thankful for uh is all the great librarians who have really and they you know and let's all be thankful and, and they don't necessarily i mean all the smart people know but they don't necessarily get all the public approbation that they should because there is really a, a small band that's ever growing of librarians yes. who have actually really helped with all of this and yeah, you know, making the books available. Critical. They're the vanguard. Yeah, There's absolutely. No critical. Absolutely, absolutely critical. And uh, with manga, a lot of them started with manga, as, as Kate uh, alluded to, and you know, started getting those. And uh, they are just tireless, tireless apostles for yes. comics. And... They are a tireless apostles for the for the acceptance of comics on a on a more yes. literary level on a more cultural Absolutely. level, and um, without them, I, I mean, I really think they are the unsung heroes and heroines of, of this renaissance. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've got a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> well, I think so. All of us. <laughs> I think all of us. Very thankful. Absolutely. Well, whole forty five minutes. Of uh, it. Yes, and and also yes. thankful for I'm thankful for my two wonderful co hosts on this podcast and um, you know and absolutely and and we, and, we, and thankful to PW uh, Publishers yeah. Weekly the the uh, as we used to say back in the day the Bible of the book industry but I actually the you know the news journal of the international book publishing industry uh, they have you know supported us they provided us a, a platform to bring this category into the book world. And, you know, so I'm pretty thankful that we've got a, a pretty cool podcast that uh, uh, seems to be getting stronger all the time. Yeah. Uh, in addition and to, uh, as one aspect of all of our coverage. Yes. And I'm thankful for our wonderful listeners who keep putting up with us, despite the occasional <laughs> comment that we cough too <laughs> much here. on the air. Yes, yes. yes. Sorry, guys, but I'm yes. glad to keep And, you know, and then we're like, and you know, we're barking at each other from time to time, but you know we just get caught up in this stuff, folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, next time, well, let's do the puppet show for the podcast. You know, oh, yeah, yes, for yes, that yes. person who thinks we talk too much, we'll do a puppet show, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> yeah, but no, okay. we're very, very thankful for our listeners, and um, yeah, it's all good. All right. Well, should we go eat some more turkey, guys? Uh, yeah, because just like um, yeah, just like comics in Turkey, there's always more to. Come.